Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. This uh, Saturday morning down here in downtown Atlanta, it's uh, December the 23rd, which means that it's uh, actually, I guess, uh, Christmas Eve before Christmas Eve. Um, we're, uh, I don't have a guest today. I'm just going to sit around and talk about a few things that, that come up, things that have happened here in the week, maybe in the year. And, uh, just kind of talk about the holiday season here. It's a, it's a festive time of the year. I hope everybody's, uh, getting prepared to, to have a good time. Most people normally enjoy this time of the year. I understand that there have been some tragedies in some people's lives at this time of the year, which makes it kind of harder for them to, to really sit back, enjoy and, and get into the, the spirit of Christmas or, uh, just, uh, just having a nice holiday time spending with family. I'm, uh, Although I don't really like to admit it, this will be my 74th Christmas, and um, I have been fortunate enough to spend all but two of those with my family, and I think that that's uh, something that we all should strive to do, to be with our families on those days as, as much as we can. I, we can't always do it, but it's something that's that's well worthwhile if you can do it. Uh, I, I missed two Christmases during the uh, 1969 and 1970 during Vietnam uh, or I was not able to go home the rest of the time I was. I was with the family, and, and I've always been either with, with my brothers and sisters, mother and father type family, or with my wife and children. And uh, my wife and I are spending our 47th Christmas together this year, and we've been able to be with our children, all except one at, uh, at one time who was uh, married to a guy in the Air Force. She missed that Christmas. And it's a, it's a time that really kind of makes me feel good about myself and life in the USA and, and just, just in general. I can remember, uh, some of my very early Christmases. Uh, my grandfather was a sharecropper and lived on a, on a farm down in Leonard, Texas. And he was big on Christmas. He, he got more out of Christmas than even the children. There, there was nobody that had more fun than my grandfather did at Christmas. And so my first, uh, nine or so Christmases, were spent with him he he passed away when i was uh eight years old so uh that kind of tore up christmas for a while but we got back together and got after it but when he was uh living on the farm it was his rule in the house that his children and his grandchildren come down and spend the night on his farm the night before christmas we would come down there on christmas eve we would um Go around town and look at what few Christmas lights there were back then. There weren't any of the displays like they have now, but it was uh, it was still festive. He had a uh, a big blue star that he put up on his house. His house sat back about three hundred foot off the road, and you could see it from the road, so it was kind of a big deal for for us. At least we thought it was. And then on Christmas Eve evening, we would go outside and uh, set off fireworks. Uh, I remember mostly the Roman candles. I know we had other things, but. Uh, it was it was just a good time. We had fun. Then the next day we'd go. To, when we went to bed that night, there was not one single present under the tree. And when we woke up the next morning, it, the room was full of of, uh, of presents. Of course, we only got about one apiece, but 
uh, there were enough of us that there was a room full of toys or a room full of presents. And he'd wake us up about 5 o'clock in the morning. We'd all go into the dining room, which I thought was a huge room, not much bigger than a closet actually now, but uh, it was a huge room, and my grandmother cooked breakfast, and we sat down and had breakfast together. And then he would go out on the front porch and see if Santa Claus left a letter. And lo and behold, every year, Santa left a letter. And I found out as I was older, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, he was a pretty good stand-up comedian. He sat there and read for about five minutes off of what was supposedly a letter, which was nothing but a blank piece of paper. And everybody laughed. Everybody enjoyed it. It was such a good time. Then after that, we went out and opened up whatever presents we might get and uh, and spent the rest of the day together. And that was kind of the the my break-in to Christmas. That's what Christmas meant to me at that time. And then after he passed away, the family kind of broke up into their separate families. We had Christmas with my uh, brothers and sisters and mother and father. And two or three years later, uh, we all decided that it wasn't the Christmas that it used to be and that we ought to try to get back together and and uh, bring the, the families together. So both uh, my mother's family and my father's family and our family would get together at Christmas. And I moved from Texas in 1978, and our last Christmas together, uh, we were getting to the point where there were not a, uh, there was not a house big enough to keep us all in that in that one house. I think there was fifty something people at our last uh, Christmas there in Texas. So it, it's always been a big thing for me. It's something I look forward to because not because of the presents that I'm going to get or give. It's just because of the time of the year and what it means to what it actually means and in, in spiritually, et cetera. And not that it's uh, it's something that I can show off to everybody that uh, that I see that hey I got a new car I got this and I got that we, you know the American people have done a pretty good job of uh, of commercializing Christmas, and that's not the real meaning of Christmas. It never has been, and it shouldn't be now. Although I I certainly have no problem with anybody that that can give whatever they can give to anybody at Christmas. It's just the the spirit of Christmas is not not trying to. Uh, to fill up the kids' toy boxes. At any rate, that's that's my feeling on Christmas, and and uh, I of course want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, which we'll do again later in the program. But uh, I hope that you have some memories that are similar to that, and you can just sit down every once in a while and stop and think about where you are, where you've been, or where you're going, and and how you're going to get there, and just kind of kind of sit back and relax and chill and have a have a nice. Uh, holiday season and look forward to the new year and see what we can do better in the new year. Uh, we have talked here in the past uh, week or two about uh, about national reciprocity and the, the next fix bill. And there's a couple of things that I want to say about that again. we've uh, There are people that are for and people are against. People are against the fix next bill because of all the things it's going to do. And I want to assure you with a answering a couple of questions here that that keep being thrown around that are not true. Uh, they say that the bill is uh, is just being pushed through, and that's not true. Uh, it went through a very thorough and public markup session. Everybody looked through it, and, uh, and it's pretty well uh, agreed to that that bill is going to pass, whether it's with national reciprocity or not. The next fixed bill has enough votes to pass, as does the National Reciprocity Bill. Uh, 
Now, uh, it's, uh, it's not doing anything other than giving the money, government money to do things that they're supposed to be doing all along on the next background check. Um, one of the claims is that it spends, uh, an awful lot of money to, uh, collect more names to include in, in these lists of people, people who are prohibited. And that's not true. It, it pays the, it has the money to pay the states to make sure that they have the resources to report the people who are already prohibited under law from owning a firearm. And the same thing for the uh, federal officers. It gives them the, the, for, the money to make sure that all those people who should have already been uh, reported, such as the, the uh, church murder in Texas a few weeks ago, it gets those people reported to Nick's. Now, is that going to stop them from getting a firearm? No. We all know that. They're going to steal them. They'll, they'll uh, buy one on the, the open market. They're, if somebody is intent on getting a firearm, they will get one. And I said open market. I meant black market. They will get one from the streets. They will steal one. They will get one if that's what their intent is to do. So reporting those people are not going to stop anything, but... It is what it is. It's what we're stuck with. Uh, and it says also there's a lot of people are saying that uh, the administrative agencies and not just the courts can adjudicate your Second Amendment rights. Well, that, again, is current law. Since 1994, agencies have been required to report individuals who are prohibited under law from, prohessing, uh, prohibiting, from, pro, from processing. Oh, boy. I, I didn't get that one right. <laughs> from po- from possessing a firearm. And uh, all it does is says uh, it gives you more layers of transparency, and it gives the person, gives us individual citizens, a an opportunity to get our name off that list if it doesn't belong there. They now have 60 days to get it, or they will if this law is passed and signed into law. We'll have 60 days to get your name off that list if it does not belong there. So it it's really, there's people that are jumping up and down and saying that it's bad, it's going to do all this, and, and that's just not true. That's not going to happen. That's not the case. The laws are already there. They're just not being reported. There will not be any secret list. It's, uh, it's just trying to enforce the laws that were passed uh, in 1994. Do we need them? I don't think so, but... We're stuck with them, and we're not going to get off of them. And I would much rather see National Reciprocity Act passed with this included than to not be passed at all. We're, we're not giving away anything to get that. So um, just relax a little bit. Do a little study in and see where, you, where we actually stand or where things actually come up at the end of this. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, you can, our website, you can join, you can renew you can contact me you contact anybody there Uh, you can download the commercial free podcast uh, from our website and we will be right back and now back to georgiacarry.org radio with georgiacarry.org's executive director jerry henry Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour, this uh, pre-Christmas weekend, as I'll call it, because Monday will be Christmas, and uh, or is it Tuesday? 
<laughs> Monday, Monday said, I, 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 we were talking a while ago, I kind of got messed up on the word possess. And we thought maybe I might be possessed from the last, uh, last commercial there, or the last uh, segment. At any rate, I want to talk about a little bit more about the national reciprocity bill. One of the things that's come out is, is, of course, the, uh, the progressives, and I, I've got to where I don't call progressives Democrats anymore. There's still some good Democrats out there, but the progressives are not Democrats anymore. They're the progressives. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said some things about the, uh, about the national reciprocity, about what all it was going to do. And there was a good story that rebutted that. And I'll tell you what she said that, that it would do. Just allowing, um, national, national reciprocity to, uh, to occur. We would be inviting violent criminals to carry concealed weapons, and that doesn't save lives. Well, that's not true. But she said inviting domestic abusers to carry concealed weapons and invite convicted stalkers to carry concealed weapons uh, is what this bill would do. Well, obviously, we all know that if you're a violent criminal, if you're a felon, you're not going to be able to to purchase a firearm, and you're not going to be able to get a, a license uh, to carry in any state. You're also not going to worry about getting a license. If you want to carry, you're going to carry. It doesn't matter. What's going to do? Take you back to prison to see the rest of your friends? Same thing with domestic abusers. Those are prohibited persons under the uh, federal government, uh, federal law, as well as convicted stalkers the same way. So what she's saying is, in fact, totally wrong. And, but there are an awful lot of progressives who are, are uh, parroting her words, and some of them. Uh, but some of the things uh, that go against that, that uh, give you something to stand up to when people say that it's going to do this, is number one, reciprocity is the law of land in many, many states. Georgia, for instance, we have, I think, 30 states that we can carry in. An awful lot of states have 20, 25, 28. There are very few states, such as California, uh, New Jersey, New York, I think Delaware, Maryland, uh those do not either one of two things either they do not allow reciprocity or they allow it with only one state or so illinois doesn't allow reciprocity so those states uh are one of the few that don't already allow people to cross state lines with their firearms here in uh, georgia we can go in any direction and we can cross our state lines without a problem because we have reciprocity with the, the states the only thing that it would do for us is allow us in some of the states who will not recognize us and give reciprocity to Georgia, license, uh, Georgia weapons license holders, uh, it would allow us to carry there, such as our driver's license allow us to drive there. So it, it's not anything really new. It's not breaking any new grounds. It's just saying that, hey, this guy's got a license. He's, he's a, a law-abiding citizen, and he should be able to exercise his constitutional rights. Uh, also, some of the data from Texas uh, show that permit holders, when compared to the general public, are 10 times less likely to commit a crime, 11 times less likely to commit an aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and 7 times less likely to commit uh, deadly conduct with a firearm. Now, that's the case basically in all the states that have pretty well been proven. We can't prove that in Georgia because we don't keep those statistics. In fact, in Georgia, we have to guess at the number of, of license holders we have because you can't have a database. There's no central database, as you know, and there is no way to tally up those numbers. We have a, a partial tally or what we, we kind of have to go by in that there are probate court reports that are filled out 
each year by some of the probate courts. All of them don't, and they may not be up to date when they send them in. So it's not an accurate number, but we know that they're somewhere in the neighborhood of about 800, 850,000 people here in Georgia that have a, a weapons license. And we know that those people do not get arrested for crimes. Uh, if anything, they're the ones that are out trying to, uh, trying to prevent crimes. And since we've been carrying here in Georgia, the crime rate is, uh, has continued to go down. I think it had a little bump up last year, but it's gone up, gone back down this year, uh, which you will see from time to time. But the, the, uh, violent crimes in Georgia or in Atlanta right now, uh, are about what they were 19 years ago. In fact, the mayor was bragging about that here a while back. Of course, the mayor of Atlanta doesn't want us to carry in his city, but, uh, the fact that we can, I believe, has helped the crime rate in that city and kept the numbers down, uh, throughout the years uh also uh, we were talking about texas florida is the same way uh they have uh, 1.7 million uh, license holders and the state revoked revoked our suspended 6700 permits for a reason a point a rate of uh, 377 per 100,000 so uh it, it just there's just not that many arrests for people who carry license people who have the license go to too much trouble to get it they tr- have to keep their record clean basically from the time they're a kid uh and it definitely after they become of age and nobody wants to go out and and get a gun legally and then go out and try to to screw up their their background checks that's kind of ridiculous thing to to think about uh, well, the gun control people are changing again. If you notice the co- last couple of years, we went from uh, gun control to gun safety because gun control, the, the public doesn't like gun control. So they started using gun safety. Well, in the last couple of years, we found out that they're really not for gun safety. They're trying to use another term to uh, strip you of your constitutional rights. And now they have, uh, just recently, um, the Giffords, uh, who had the armed, our Americans for Responsible Solutions, uh, after she was shot, um, who said that, uh, when they announced their organization that they, uh, they were not out to try to take away your farms, uh, any more than they want to give up their two guns that they have at home in the safe. Well, I don't know what their guns are doing for them at home in the safe if that's the only two they have. Uh, but I'm glad they've got them. At least they have the right to do that, and they have the right to keep them in the safe if they want to. Uh, but I have the right to carry mine to protect myself. At any rate, they have uh, changed their name now to uh, Giffords. It is, uh, and they have uh, uh, merged with the Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. Uh, they uh, they are now uh, the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. So I'm sure that's going to help a whole lot. You know, if you go back and look, nearly all these these groups have changed their name from one thing to another. The Brady campaign used to be Handgun Control uh, Incorporated. And I, actually before that, it was a, another one uh, similar to that. Uh, but their their goal was to ban handguns. And, of course, now that's not their goal. They just want safety. They just want everybody protected. They want you to have the right to do it. But... Really, when they try it down to it, the only people they want to have farms in this country are the military and the police. And, of course, 
their armed guards that they can afford to to hire. You and I can't afford to hire one, so we have to have a firearm on our side if we're going to be protected. However, all these these people who are are pushing for gun control and trying to ban guns, they're all surrounded by people carrying firearms. Uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg even takes them to Bermuda, who is a gun-free country. But his guards show up with him to protect him at all times. I guess he's just more important than than the rest of us. I mean, it's it's just it's just kind of ridiculous, you know. Uh, at one time, uh, Bloomberg had his mayors against uh, illegal guns, and of course, what we found out about that basically it was illegal mayors against guns because I think uh, something like ten or twelve of those mayors have been in. Uh, either are in prison or have been in, put in prison for uh, crimes that they committed, and some of them with guns. So it's it's just uh, the same old hypocrisy from the from the left. They want to ban your firearms. I tell you, they don't, but they do. Uh, every town for gun safety, Bloomberg's group. Do you really believe that every town for gun safety is really trying to promote gun t- safety? In fact, we have proof. Uh, that that they don't. We had a guy that worked with them at one point trying to get them to take uh, one of his safety courses that he came up with. And he was corresponding back and forth by email with a lady uh, in the area who had thought that that might be a good thing because, you know, we're talking about gun safety. We've got a program to help kids and tell kids what to do. And those of you who think that a kid just because he's not around a farm, he's not going to see one. If you don't want him to see one, he's not going to see it. You're totally wrong. You'll find them anywhere. They may be laying on the street. They may be uh, at a friend's house. When they go visit somewhere, they will see them. They need to know what to do and what not to do when they're around a the farm. And the main thing, of course, is not touch it and let somebody else know that it's there. But uh, at any rate, uh, the uh, every ton, town for gun safety decided that uh, that w- here they decided it was a good thing. They contacted the people in New York and they they got a memo back, which I remember was copied on. It said that's not in our best interest. We will not do it. So they're they're not even for their own gun safety. It's just a name to try to fool you. Uh, coming up to another break, want to remind you once again: go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can find out anything we've ever done on there. You can follow us at Georgia Carry. I'm at Got Your Back sixty four. You can download the commercial-free podcast there on our website under GCO Radio Hour. You can download the commercial-free podcast here at Newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, sitting here again, uh, kind of pondering a few things about what's going on here in the, in the Christmas season. Uh, I, I came across something I, actually on Twitter. I, I, those of you who aren't on Twitter, I don't tweet a whole lot, but I, I get an awful lot of information off of it. There's some guys on there, you can follow us at Georgia Carry on there, and you can learn an awful lot of things about what's going on in this country and, and this, in this state that has to do with gun laws. Uh, A.W. Harkins, who was my guest last week, is a good person to follow on that. And, and it, it just kind of leads you. You don't have to do all your research, quite frankly. You can go and, and see what they put out there 
and then read the stories and, and go from there. But at any rate, one of the things that was tweeted last week, and I believe this was tweeted by uh, Jeff Anderson of Georgia Carey, uh, 355 people have been killed so far this year in Baltimore. It's the third worst year on record, and the second worst was 2015. In 2013, I will point out to you, and it was pointed out on the tweets, that in 2013, uh, Maryland passed one of the toughest gun control laws around, and yet the crimes are worse now than they were in 2013. Hmm. Sounds to me like gun control is not very effective. It what the gun control does, and, and you know this, you know, I'm just kind of preaching to the choir here, but what gun control does is it prohibits or it puts uh, roadblocks in the way of, of law-abiding citizens. It doesn't prohibit a criminal from getting a firearm. It prohibits him from going to a, a local uh, federal firearms dealer and purchase a gun if his background checks up to date, but it doesn't keep him from buying one off the street it doesn't keep him from breaking in somebody's house and stealing it. So it, it does no good. There are people that are selling you a gun no matter what, even though it is a federal law. So uh, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, well, how effective how effective is gun control? Is it really, really working? Well, obviously, we know it's not, and you know how I feel about that. But uh, this last year, I went back and looked at, at a few statistics, and this last year, to date, in Chicago, there have been 614 people shot and killed. Chicago still has one of the toughest gun laws around. In uh, December, this to the date in December, and this was early this morning, uh, there's been 29 people shot and killed. Uh, I guess the number that's even more frightening is uh, shot and wounded in uh, Chicago, 2,890 people. And 122 in December. Now, gun control, you know, people can pretty well think that gun control is not working. It's just, if it were working, there wouldn't be that many people getting shot and killed. Los Angeles in 2016 had 293. And robberies with firearms, they had somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 9,500 to 10,000. Uh, so it's not working in California either. And, of course, California's got one of the toughest uh, gun laws around even more so than than uh, Chicago and Maryland. They have every every one of the gun prohibitionist dreams. They have they have the background check for private sales. They have a, the uh, extensive background checks. They have uh, matter of fact. I think in January you're going to have to start doing the same thing with ammunition. You're going to have to pass a background check to buy ammunition for your firearm out there. And that, again, is not going to do anything except up the cost of ammunition, which is one of their goals, because if they can make things uh, more expensive, if they can make it expensive enough, a lot of people won't be able to afford it. And, uh, you know, you really need what we really need is, is cheaper ammunition, because people uh, would then be able to go out and do more practicing, more uh, handling of the firearm and and get to be more proficient with it because the more you shoot, the better you're going to be. It's just that simple. But these people just don't see it that way. I just don't, again, it's, it's, it's not in my nature to understand that. And I ran across this thought to ponder here. Uh, this was... Uh, this was from an article in AJC here earlier. It said the Atlanta P uh, Police Department spokesman Carlos Campo said internal data has shown more convicted felons with guns are bonding out of jail 
at little cost. And that's the Fulton County Jail, by the way. And he says, in 2017, the average stay in jail before bonding out for convicted fellows with firearms is 18 days. That is a, a convicted felon with a firearm is a federal crime. And we bring them down here to Atlanta, Georgia, the Fulton County Jail, and we make them stay 18 days, and they're bonded out and gone again. Uh, these guys should be going back to prison. I've said a long time, uh, I said a long time ago, one of the things that you need to do if you want to stop crime, get rid of the revolving doors on the prisons and the jails. Put them in the jail. Put them under the jail. Let them stay in there. But no, we we can't do that. We've we've got to be. Uh, too nice to people who are in prison. I mean, these people really need a, a life of comfort while they're in there. And so we've got to turn around. We've got to let them go back out uh, and commit some of their same crimes. And that's just a ridiculous approach to crime, uh, if you ask me. Uh, we've got a, a new um, new firearm going to be on the market. It's really not new, uh, but it's going to be available to us more so than uh then it, it, it well more so than for quite some time now, and that is the uh, the president when he signed the uh, National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2018 included uh, selling 1911s to the uh, CMP uh, civilian marksmanship program, which means that those will be sold to the public. Now they have uh, if you're interested in getting in getting one, uh, they're not. I don't think they're going to be cheap from what I've seen Uh, are because some of them are are basically uh, classic classical firearms. They're 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 collector's items. And what they're going to do is, uh, if I understand it correctly, you've got to get on a list. They will give you a number at some point in time. And when your number comes up, you get to go over and pick whichever one you want. You can't just walk in off the street and buy them like you can in, uh, in uh, say, Autry's Armory, our diamond sponsor. Uh, but you can, uh, you'll be able to buy one. You're just not sure which gun you're going to get or how long it's going to be. But you will be able to get your pick, I understand. When you get there, whatever's there, you'll get your pick if your number's first. The next guy will get his pick and so forth. And uh, they're, they're getting, I think, 10,000 of them right now. And uh, the military currently currently has a hundred thousand in excess. So, at some point in time, those will uh, come back to us as the public and be able to buy them. Now, uh, the uh, the National Defense Authorization Act that Obama signed contained the same language. However, with Obama, he would not allow those guns to be sold to the public. Uh, and in fact, he he wanted to destroy him. I believe they had trouble. Uh, he Obama had trouble getting that done because of the people uh, upcry or outcry over doing that. So he just sat on it and wouldn't let it go anywhere. And Trump has said, "Okay, let's put them out in the public. Let them take them. They're uh, they're some of them, like I say, are collectors' items." And uh, it's uh, it's a, a good deal for some of us. There, a lot of people don't realize that the, the 1911 was made by everybody. Singer Sewing Machine made a 1911 during the war. Uh, Remington, uh, and I believe that was the Remington Typewriter Company, made them along with Remington Arms. There were an awful lot of companies. If you had a, a manufacturing company during World War II, you 
for the most part, got some kind of military contract to make a firearm or or uh, vehicle, whatever, something something uh, to support the war, you would get a contract for it. And that's how we got so many manufacturers of 1911s on the market. And then, uh, then they seemed to fade out for a while. And then all of a sudden, back a few years ago, I think, uh, the 1911 became very popular again. And it's one of the most popular firearms in the country. Even today, there's more people making uh, 1911s now than there were 20 years ago. And it seems like every time you turn around, somebody else wants to come out with one. And they're nice guns. They're a proven technology. Uh, you can, you can hit with it. It's, uh, it is, uh, in my opinion, I have a bad back. It's a little bit heavy, but I still carry one. And, uh, I intend to carry it, uh, wherever I go from, uh, from now until the, <laughs> till I can't carry it with my bad back. Uh, but uh, at any rate, they're they're coming back on the market. Something you want to check into, you can check with the civilian marksmanship program, and they can give you all the details on what you can, how you can get one. There's uh, they're over in Anniston, Alabama, and uh, if you're interested, follow up on that. And uh, and good luck if you are interested, because uh, it may not be as easy to get as. Uh, at least in the beginning, as we think it might be. But hopefully it will, and, and hopefully all of you that want one uh, will be able to do it. Um, I also um, heard on the way up here, I, I got a text, or I got a, a tweet uh, that uh, uh, NASCAR legend uh, Richard Childers thanks God and guns that he saved himself from a, a, uh, a break-in in his house. And uh, so it, it's not just you. It's not just me. It's everybody that needs that kind of protection. Coming to the end of this segment, we'll remind you one more time. Go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can join. You can you can see every piece of paper we've ever filed in any litigation. You can contact me. You can con- you can follow us at Georgia Carry. And I'm at GotYourBack64 on Twitter. You can download the commercial free podcast there you can download the commercial free podcast at newstalk1160.com and we will be right back and now back to georgiacarry.org radio with georgiacarry.org's executive director jerry henry welcome back to georgiacarry.org radio hour uh, once again, I'm sitting here talking about a few things that, that mean things to me and hopefully mean things to you. Uh, one of the newest uh, laws, gun laws, to be passed around here happened uh, just this uh, about a week or so ago in Columbia, South Carolina. They passed the, the city council passed a, a, a law banning bump stocks and um, trigger uh, whatever it is. The trigger devices that that you can uh, you can spin them and make them uh, shoot a whole lot more rapidly. Uh, at any rate, they um, they can have them. The, the law says you can have it, but you can't have it on the farm. And uh, they go through all this garbage about how much it's going to say, but not once did they ever say anything, or did they ever com- uh, comment on a crime that was committed with a gun stock. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. They, uh, they, but they're they're going to, you know, one of the problems that that government that we have a government government says something happened. We need to do something. 
So now they have done something, and they passed a law that by the time the ink was dried, there was already a lawsuit against it saying that it violates the uh, the preemption law in South Carolina, and we believe that it does, and it will probably not stand. But at any rate, it's just one of those things to tell you how ridiculous some of the some of the people are about what they want to try to do. Look, we did something. We banned bump stocks. Well, big deal. What kind of problem did you solve? Well, we really didn't. A uh, couple of things that hit the news this week too. Uh, but gun store gun store owners in Port Allen and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, claim to have lost seventy thousand dollars in Christmas sales due to the inaccessibility of the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check system. Now, this has happened before, and there have been stories about how uh, the uh, Nicks at times will just shut down and not, you know, put people on hold and not really do anything on these busy Fridays. Uh, like Black Friday, uh, there's uh, there's going to be an awful lot of, of people using that system. You know, last year there were like 208,000 uh, background checks done, so that's a lot of that's an overload. But apparently, when uh, when they had the Black Friday this year, the whole system went down, and they got nothing. So the, these people here uh, lost seventy thousand dollars because they couldn't get background checks. They weren't on hold. They weren't nothing. They, they, nobody answered the phone. Nobody did anything. They just went down. And, it, you know, it's those things may happen, but it's a sad state in this country when the federal government can shut you down just by turning the button off, and that's what they did to these folks. Uh, it's just, uh, again, it's not right. Uh, there's also an article in the paper that says that the gun groups, there is a gun group that will push to expand campus carry in 2018. Now, that remark, and, and of course, they're talking about georgiacarry.org, and we would like to do that. That remark came out of a uh, a panel at the Second Amendment uh, meeting on the uh, at the Bar Association here in Atlanta uh, a couple of weeks ago. Our Vice President, John Monroe, was on that that and he made the statement that he'd like to see it uh expanded uh and we be a little bit more simplified plus the fact that we'd like to carry on uh, on private campuses well the ajc runs off with that that that's what we're going to do we're going to look into that but uh, to tell you the truth we're not sure that that nathan deal will sign anything if we come up with it and we're not sure how many legislators really want to go down again this year now three years in a row and push that same that same agenda we will ask we will try but just because that was in the paper my point is just because that was in the paper doesn't mean that it's in concrete that that's what we're going to do we always try to push for everything that we can get that's one of the things we'd like to see but uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that that we're going to do it or that we've got any possibility. I think our possibility of getting um, campus carry onto private campuses is better than expanding anything on the on the current campus uh, carry law. Now, there are some uh, professors on the campuses that are upset with it because of the fact that they can carry in their classroom, but they can't carry in their own office. And, you know, we... We're sorry. We didn't do anything about that. That was the way that the governor had to have it to sign it, and that's what he got. So uh, I would suggest to any of the, the uh, professors who 
uh, are concerned about that, then get after it. Start writing your legislators. Let us know if that's what you really want. And we'll certainly be on your side when you do that. Uh, another article here uh, from uh, John Lott's group, uh, uh, Crime Research Center, says that uh, he has documented, you know, one of the things that we've always said that, that guns uh, prevent crime just by the fact that they're there. And we know that there are numerous times a day throughout this country that people will show a firearm or somebody will see they've got a firearm and they, the crime is stopped dead in its tracks. Well, John has gone back and found 22 attacks in the last month, including capturing an MS-13 member who was fleeing the police that was uh, stopped by law-abiding citizens carrying a firearm. This is one of the things that, that uh, the Moms Demanding Action, Shannon, uh, always said it's never happened there's never been a good guy with a gun stop a bad guy with a gun well guess what there has been we've known it for quite some time and now here's 22 just over the last month and uh this morning in fact i saw another story which was not included in here a guy in uh, in philadelphia was walking down the street he had gone and got him a soda was walking down the street and a guy comes up and sticks a gun to his head and demands his money well the guy uh, broke away from him, got behind the car, pulled his gun, and started shooting at the guy. He shot twice. The guy ran off. He shot again. The guy dropped his gun. And so he went over and secured the gun for the police. And um, they now have captured the guy because he showed up at the hospital with a, with a gunshot wound in his wrist. So it happens all the time. And that's why we carry, we try to carry to be protected or to be uh, not only protected, but to be prepared as well. And uh, so, we, you know, these things happen. They're going to continue to happen. And uh, we just need to, to understand that if we're not, we're our first responders. We're not going to take care of ourselves. Nobody else is going to take care of it. Uh, I want to remind you one more time about the Christmas season uh, coming up. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy New Year and, and hope that uh, that you can can go back. Uh, maybe in some of your your young lives or middle middle aged lives or whatever, and, and look back on what reflect back on what you've done and and how you've done them and and how good some things were and how bad some things were. Some things uh, I know in my life were were not always the best, but uh, I've always worked it out. And it's uh, this time of the year is a good time to to think about. Uh, about where you're going, what you're going to do, put some things behind you, start off a new year uh, with a with a happy uh, thoughts and uh, and better goals. And it's a good time to to make sure that your goals are to restate your goals from last year to see what you can accomplish next year. Um, and I don't want to don't want to sound like a preacher, but uh, these things are important to us uh, through life, and and you need to know where you're going to go if you're going to get there. You know, if you take a trip from here to New York City, you need to know how to get there. And if you're going to go from one place in life to another station in life, you need to kind of know uh, and plan on how you're going to get there. And and that's all I'm saying. It, it you know, like I said, I have fond mem- memories of my earlier years from uh, from Bells, Texas, and it's just uh, just something that uh, that's kind of been inbred in me. And and uh, I've uh, I've been happy at it. I'm going to continue to do it. I've tried to do it with my kids and grandkids, and uh, I'm all set for the holidays. Hope you all are. I uh, want to remind you one more time. We're getting ready to leave here. The, uh, 
georgiacarry.org, our website. You can join. You can find out anything you want to about us. We've got a terrific FAQ section uh, that will answer most of the questions on, on anything that you want on gun laws. And as I said, we've got numerous lawsuits. All the paperwork's there. You can see what we've done. You can see what we've done to enhance your rights to carry here in the state of Georgia. Uh, you can follow me at Got Your Back on Twitter. You can follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. You can download the commercial free podcast on, at georgiacarry.org. And you can also download the commercial free podcast here at Newstalk1160.com. And Merry Christmas. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.